0: All right. Good evening. How are we doing? Good. Uh huh. <laughs> that was fun. I, I I got a good workout doing all the all the motions. <laughs> um, it's, it's been fun to be with you all. Uh, I appreciate you all welcoming me and allowing me to have fun with you all. And it's a joy to continue to get in the word with you all again. All right. So. uh Flip with me to Ephesians chapter 2. We're going to be in Ephesians chapter 2 again. And um, we talked about being united around a common message. Then we talked about uh, being united under a common authority. So we receive the gospel and we believe in Jesus. We're saved by grace. and Then we submit our lives to Jesus. And then we talked about uh, this morning being united uh, around a common community. Uh, that we live out this life submitted to Jesus alongside of other people who are doing the same thing. We live this life out uh, uh, in the context of the local church, of the church. Uh, it's Jesus' bride, his his organization through which he's going to uh, bless us and bless the whole world. And now I want to talk a little bit more about um, what this church is, what this community is. Um, and if we're going to be united around a uh, community, this community, kind of like I hinted at last uh, message, it involves people who are different than us. It involves people from different social backgrounds, different cultures, different age groups, different states and parts of the country, different parts of the world. There's all different types of differences. And how do we uh, unite around these differences? There's this thing called the Catholicity of the church. Uh, y- 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 y'all might have heard the in, in some creed, the old school term, the Catholic Church. Um, it doesn't mean like the Roman Catholic Church. Catholic is just a way of referring to universal. It's global. Jesus is not a local deity. Uh, he he uh, is worshipped by people from all places and all time and from all nations. And so what, it, what does it look like to be united around this multi-ethnic, multicultural, multi-generational, multi um really multi many things multi multi church um all right so ephesians chapter two ephesians chapter two again we are going to unite around a common community and so kind of the main point for our time today is god has opened the door so make yourself at home god has opened the door so make yourself at home i'll read the passage and then i'll pray and we'll dive in Lord, thank you for this time. And Lord, thank you for the opportunity again to dig into your word. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would give me energy. I pray that you give me conviction and boldness and clarity. Lord, humility, a sense of, um, of gravity about the situation, but also a warmth. Lord, I pray that you would give me a clean conscience that I might serve you. Lord, I pray that you would move and fill your hearers so that they might be able to receive your word again. Lord, this is the uh, the third, uh, fourth message. And so, Lord, I know it retreats that we, and is and late. And, Lord, I pray that we would all um, be able to have the ability from you to be able to receive uh, your word in the same way as we would um, afresh. Lord, I, I pray that um, you would transform us. That we wouldn't leave here the same. I pray that you would make us more like you, Jesus. Amen. All right, so I talked about Marvel last time. Have, have any of y'all heard of the movie Black Panther? Have, you, have y'all heard of the movie? Who, who, how many of y'all have seen it? Just so I could get a, a familiarity. Okay, I'm going to explain a little bit of the plot. So uh, Black Panther is one of the most popular movies ever. Um, it was a record-breaking movie. Um, and... Wakanda is well known in kind of Marvel culture and pop culture. Wakanda is a beautiful place with an element called vibranium. Vibranium was an element that allowed them, the Wakandans, to craft highly advanced technology. Vibranium can absorb energy and release energy. It bestows supernatural abilities to things like flowers and it enhances mystical powers. Uh, and because of the vibranium and the genius of the Wakandans, Wakanda became a place of prosperity, beauty, power, and glory. And the Black Panther was, was the king of Wakanda. And so the, you know, the, the, the king of Wakanda was 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 also you know a, a king and a warrior and a superhero. And he was empowered by the vibranium um, to kind of be the superhuman. So, But the issue of the movie is that the vibranium in Wakanda was hidden from the rest of the world. And they had a strict policy of not opening up their borders to outsiders. And so, as a result, all of the people around the globe, notably the oppressed or impoverished communities around the globe, um, in the African diaspora and beyond, they were barred from the blessings of Wakanda. And Wakanda's vibranium would have helped out all these different communities. And this is kind of the conflict of the movie. There's um, uh, Killmonger, who is essentially um, from the African diaspora, and uh, he's from a, a, a poor community filled with violence, and he is trying to make his way back to Wakanda, and he's really related to the Wakandans, and there's, whole, there's this whole tension that's going on uh, within the movie. But here's the thing. T'Challa the king, after seeing the plight of the communities around the world and being disgusted with the fact that Wakanda had turned their backs to the world, um, he decides to open the doors of Wakanda to all the impoverished communities around the globe. He wants the vibranium to help everybody out. And family, this is kind of what, it, what it's like in the Bible, what's going on in the Bible in the New Testament. There, there, there's a lot of similarities in the story. Um, check out, uh, so so uh, the, the main point for tonight is God has opened the door, so make yourself at home. And I, I want to talk about the door being closed first. The door being closed. So verse 11 hints at kind of the uh, similarities between the two stories. It says, Therefore remember at one time you Gentiles in the flesh, called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. So we see here that they were Gentiles and Jews, and there was this division. There, there were people who were circumcised, and these were the Jews, and there were people who were uncircumcised, and these were the nations, the Gentiles. And so, what's the connection to Black Panther? Did y'all know that Israel is God's Wakanda? That Israel is God's Wakanda? All throughout history, Israel was God's chosen people, and the vibranium uh, was the promises covenants, the glory, the law, the worship, and the patriarchs, the book of Romans tells us. And these things made Israel the greatest and most blessed nation on the face of the planet. They were blessed. And when I say Israel, I'm not talking about the modern um, you know, nation state that we know. I'm talking about the ancient Near Eastern uh, Israel that is described in the Bible. Now, at the time this letter was written... Israel was no longer officially a nation. It, be, it came under the rule of the Roman Empire in 63 B.C. So it kind of was a nation, but it was, it was just different. It, it, it was under the different um, the, the rules of Rome. But like Wakanda, Israel had a strict code. The strict code was the Mosaic Law. Have you all heard of the Mosaic Law? This is a law given by Moses to the people, and it had dietary laws. It had... Uh, Cleanliness codes, it had a sacrificial system, it had detailed rules that kept Israel separate from all of the other nations around it. It was it was designed to keep them separate from the Gentiles, not only morally, but also culturally. So, you know, Jews and Gentiles couldn't eat together because they had different dietary rules. Um, really, in general, a Jew couldn't touch a Gentile because Gentiles were likely un- ceremonially unclean. And a Jew couldn't approach God after touching someone who was unclean. They had these different rules about what happens when uh, someone touches a dead body or when someone um, like, spills bodily fluid. Like the ritual for cleansing people for diseases. They had this extremely detailed and really burdensome system that kept them separate from people around them. And one of the greatest markers between Jew and Gentile was circumcision. Uh, and Gentiles were largely uncircumcised, and they thought the, pro- the procedure largely was grotesque. They were like, what, what, why are y'all circumcising yourselves? So why is there a division? So I, I want to kind of describe the division among Ephesus. There was division between the Jews and Gentiles. There was a large Jewish community in Ephesus. And it was a thriving Jewish community. And the Gentiles who already lived in Ephesus thought the Jews were narrow-minded and barbaric. Because remember back then, monotheism wasn't popular. They worshipped all different kind of gods. And uh, in Ephesus, the guy that was really popular was Artemis. Uh, They called her Artemis of the Ephesians. And they had all different kind of religions. And they were like, those Jews only worship one god. Why don't they play nice with everybody else? They're always to themselves, and they think they're better than everybody else. And the Jews kind of thought the Gentiles were barbaric as well, and they were unclean, and how could we ever hang out with them? And so there was kind of beef between Jews and Gentiles. Are y'all with me? So it's going to be like four or five categories. So we got Jew and Gentile. Are y'all with me? And so, and then Paul and other Christians, they, he, he and his team went to Ephesus, and they started sharing the gospel. And they first went to the Jewish diaspora community, so they went to the synagogue. And they started sharing the gospel. And Paul and others preached at the synagogue because Paul was a Jewish teacher. And he starts sharing about Jesus. So now people start believing in Jesus in the synagogue. So now you had Jews and Gentiles. But then now you have Jewish Christians. People who are still following the rules of circumcision. Following the the Mosaic law. And now they believe that Jesus is king. Um, but there were some Jews who rejected Christianity. They are like, Paul, stop talking about this Jesus person. You're disrupting everything. And they started talking bad about Paul and his followers. So now there's, there's, there's all these different kind of tensions between Jew and Gentile. And then between Jew and Christian. Are you all still following me? And so the Christians, they just said, okay, they don't want us here. We're going to stop sharing with the, with the synagogue. And so they set up this shop in this place called Tyrannus Hall. And now, at Tyrannus Hall, the Gentiles are being converted. So, and then, so now you have Jews and Gentiles, then you have Jewish Christians, and now you have Gentile Christians. Gentiles were people, basically, who didn't follow the Jewish codes. And now you have beef within the church. Now, the Jewish Christians are trying to be in the same church with the Gentile Christians, and they're like, what is going on? We are living two different lives we can't even eat with each other and we both love Jesus. What is going on here? And so, um, you have all these divisions that are happening with the, within the Ephesian church. And so, look at verse 12. It says, remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. So, Paul is telling the Ephesian church, which is mostly Gentile, he's telling them, hey, remember at one point you weren't a part of God's people. Remember that you were far away from God and God's people. And they were without, without hope and without the true and living God. But now they, uh, we, we'll see in a minute, they, they have come into God's people. Um, have you all ever done uh, mosaic art? Have you ever been to a mosaic shop and you have all the pieces around? My wife and I, we we went uh, to a mosaic shop one time and we sat down and we had all different kind of things laid out and there was different containers. We had beads and then we had broken glass, we had uh, bullet shell casings, we had broken jewelry, we had all these different things set up on the table. And our goal was to take these different things and make a beautiful piece of art. But here's the thing, isn't this what the world looks like? That when we, the world is, is, is like all the peoples of the earth are laid out and we're divided in its different containers. There's all different kind of divisions. They had Jews in one container and Christian Jews in another. Then they had Christian Gentiles in another container and Gentiles. Um, they all wanted to stay divided. There was no peace between them. And this is an issue because Jesus, his goal isn't just to save individuals. His goal isn't just to save individuals. Jesus wants to unite the whole world under his lordship. Have you all seen those passages in the Bible that say weird stuff like, you know, and every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And it's like, what is going on there? <laughs> like in heaven and on and under the earth? You know, we typically think I'll bow my knee. But Jesus' goal is that every single thing in the cosmos would bow bow down to him and acknowledge his lordship be united under his lordship and if that's the case divisions are a problem and don't we see these divisions all over the place don't we see them in the united states with our uh, racial and cultural divisions in india with their caste system and maybe in nigeria with their tribes don't we see all different kind of divisions the bible tells us that this present age the bible calls this present evil age uh, to quote the bible it, it, it says it's defined by divisions and each divided group wants to exclude each other out of fear they, 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 they look at the other group and they say you know they're XYZ and I really feel safe in my group and so each group gets, starts to get more and more into their own group and they start to uh, create these narratives about the other group and there's a, a, a lack of understanding and like I said, Jesus, his grand plan is to unite all of these different kinds of people. But here's the thing. Jesus did something about this division. He did something about the division um, in, in, but back then in Ephesus. And he's doing something about the divisions that we see now in our cities, in our communities, and in our churches. And so I, I want to look at the second thing. I want to look at how the door has opened. I want to look at how the door has opened. So look at verse 13. It says, But now in Christ Jesus, you who, uh, who were once far off, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace. You see, the beautiful thing is now that Christ has, has come and he's died, there is now a shift in what it meant to be Wakanda, God's Israel. You no longer had to be a Jew in order to be a part of God's people. There's a scene, scene at the end of the movie where there's a spaceship that flies down in the middle of, like, a community in the middle of the United States, and the boys are playing basketball. And they're like, whoa, it's a spaceship, you know. Uh, and, 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 you know, the, T'Challa, the king of Wakanda, he's looking on, he's smiling because he knows that that vibranium from Wakanda is going to, to the different impoverished communities around the world to help them out. This is what it looks like in the New Testament for the gospel to go out. That Israel, the gospel and and, and the promises and the covenants and all these beautiful things were hidden from the world. And God says, the dividing wall is broken down. The vibranium of the gospel can now go to all over the world, to all different nations. And the Bible uh, says this in verse 14, he himself is our peace. Who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. By abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances. So what is this talking about? So is using a metaphor. So back then in the temple, you had this wall in the temple that Jews could go past, but Gentiles cannot go past. They they they, they weren't allowed to get to a certain place. Point in God's presence. And there was a sign uh, on that wall that was warning Gentiles to not cross that wall. And Jesus, or Paul here is saying Jesus metaphorically um, has broken down that wall. That wall was the Mosaic law. The Mosaic wall was like that wall that was keeping the Gentiles from the presence of God, from being in the, in, 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 in the presence of God, being a part of God's people. And Jesus broke it down by his death. Through Christ's death, all peoples are being reconciled to him, and therefore, all people are being reconciled to each other. You see, the, the two different groups that were formerly divided by the Mosaic Law are now able to be united. Gentiles don't have to do all the dietary laws and the dietary codes, and they don't have to do the sacrificial system, and they don't have to do all these things in order to become Christians. They just have to place their trust in Jesus and submit to Jesus. The, 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 the two people that were formerly separate, Jesus has made one. And it says this. How did this happen in verse 17? And he came and preached peace to you who are far off and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access in one spirit. So what does this mean that Jesus came and preached peace to those who were near and those who are far off? Because wasn't Jesus just primarily in Palestine for most of his ministry? He did this through the, uh, the apostles and prophets. When it talks about he preached peace to those who are near, it talks about the Jews. When it talks about he preached peace to those who are far off, it's talking about the Gentiles. And through the apostles, Christ went and proclaimed peace to the whole world and is creating one new people group. So there were present age divisions, but now there is new creation unity. There is new creation unity. The gospel brings together two different people groups that would have otherwise been divided. And so here's the thing. We we see a vision for what God wants the New Testament church to look like. He wants it to be uh, united under his lordship. And these divisions that formerly divided people are no longer dividing folks. Being a welcoming church, being welcoming to all different kinds of people, is not just a trendy thing. It's not just a popular thing um, that's going on nowadays. No, it, it is a gospel thing. That the gospel means we invite all people to know Jesus. And so here's the thing. You know, according to the United States racial schema, I'm a black man, right? I'm black. In another country, I might be brown. You know, in Brazil, they might call me a different color. But in the United States, I'm black. Um, Here's the thing. I love being black. I love it. I love the culture. I love black people. I love serving black people. I love being on a historically black college and university. But here's the thing. When I place my trust in Jesus, that's no longer my primary allegiance. That's no longer my primary identity marker. The the Bible has, has told me that when I place my trust in Jesus, I am now an Israelite. I am now a part of the commonwealth of Israel. I am a citizen of God's people. And Israel, as the Bible defines it, is a multi-ethnic, cross-cultural, cross-racial, multilingual group of people everywhere and at all times who have confessed Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And so if we know the history of what God has done for us, what Jesus has done for us, it will allow us to be united as a common people. Because no matter what our background, no matter whether you're white or black or Hispanic or Asian or young or old or man or woman or free or slave, whatever you are, when you come in contact with Jesus, the true Israelite, and when you become united to him, you become a part of God's people. You are an Israelite. And here's the thing. Israel, we have our own holidays as, as a nation. Every Sunday we celebrate our own Independence Day. That's our Independence Day. And then we don't have to wait one year to come around for it for the United States. (laughs) Every week we celebrate the fact that Jesus has rose again, has overcome death in the grave and all things that are ugly and untrue and has overcome the enemy. We are free from Satan. We are free from death. We are free from the world. We are free from the flesh. And every Sunday, we gather together to celebrate this as a common people united, witnessing the Jesus resurrection. This is the thing. A part of our history as God's Wakanda is that God has opened the door to everybody. And so here, here's the thing. The church ought to be the world's answer for its desire for peace. The church is the world's answer for peace. Peace but don 't we so often not reflect this 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 um purpose given to us by Jesus so often we take cues from the world and the world isn 't taking cues from us that oftentimes you see throughout history and you know United States history that we have looked more like the culture instead of influencing the culture when it comes to unity we 've allowed racism and and classism and whatever other ism that's contrary to christ to shape the church so we have a white white church and a black church you know not not really you know it's all one israel but that's uh, the way our society the way the church is taking cues from society that's how we've set it up you know and we do it all different kind of ways culturally even right there's the cowboy church and there's a contemporary church, and there's the cool church where they like Starbucks, and they, and they wear cool outfits. And then there's the you know, more conservative-leaning churches. There's the more progressive churches. And the thing is, the church oftentimes unites around the things that Jesus does not want the church to unite around. Jesus wants the church to unite around him, not our present-age divisions. And oftentimes, we, we, we want to be comfortable in church. So we're saying, hey, I just want to have a church that will allow me to stay within my own container. And so the third thing I want to look at is we have to be a place where we make ourselves at home. Where all different kind of people can make themselves at home in this community. We have to be united around this common community across differences. So in verse 19, he tells the Gentiles, So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints. And members of the household of God. And then he starts talking about a building. Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. In whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. So there's three different images that the scriptures use here to demonstrate the unity among the people of God. The first thing is we are fellow citizens. We are fellow citizens. Um, uh, so my wife oftentimes makes fun of me because I'm, like, I'm, a, I'm an adventurous person most of the time. But oftentimes traveling internationally feels really overwhelming for me. Because I know that uh, I have to renew my passport. She messes with me. She says, first of all, you need to get a passport. I was like, I have a passport. Uh, I had a passport before you did. And it's really my two-year-old picture on there from when uh, we, uh, my dad was stationed in Sigonella, Sicily. <laughs> and so she's like, that doesn't count. You do not have a passport if you have your two-year-old photo on the passport. And then I'm nervous about not knowing the language. Like, I'm going to get over there, and I'm not going to know what anyone is saying. And, you know, I'm going to be anxious, and then I'm going to be relying on people who I might not trust in order to guide me. And then, you know, even, even in the United States, I get, I'm, like, you know, always looking around, making sure, okay, what neighborhood am I in? Where am I at? Am I looking over my shoulder? There's a comfort in knowing the places where we should go and, 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 and be a little more careful, where, where we should be in and out. And when I go to a totally different country, I don't know those places, right? And it's kind of a shame that, you know, there's this pressure to stay on the resort or the place where the Americans Americans go to, to be, 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 because we want to be familiar. So when when we are strangers and aliens in a place, we feel out of place, don't we? And we have to make ourselves at home. It takes time. It takes energy to make that place at home. And God tells us that, if you believe in Jesus, the church should be home. You're a citizen. You're, you're no longer a stranger or an alien. And this means no matter what your background is, no matter your culture or leaning, the church ought to be a place where we are united around this community as a home. The, the second image is a house member. He says, we, we, we are members of the household of God. Um. We all know what it's like to be homesick when we're away from home and we really want to be home or we're staying somewhere and we've been there for a long time. It's like, you know what, I'm kind of ready to be back in my own house, right? Uh, Growing up, did did y'all ever spend the night at your friends' houses or do sleepovers? Y'all remember what it was like to be at your friends' house and do a sleepover? I had a friend named Andrew, and we would uh, go over to his house because he had a big TV and an Xbox and a pool. And so uh, we would go over to his house, and we would stay up and lay all around his uh, living room, and we would fall asleep on the floor and lay on the couch and fall asleep. And, you know, we would just hang out all day. And there's sometimes, you know, we love being at his house. But, you know, sometimes we were there for, like, uh, you know, a couple days in a row. And uh, I remember my brother would be like, I'm kind of ready to go back to our own (laughs) house. It's because when you're in somebody else's home, you can be welcomed, you can... Uh, experience great hospitality but at the end of the day that's not your home you at some point want to go back to your own home and this is what it's like the bible tells us to be a member of the church when you believe in jesus the church is your home when you're among the church we ought to feel at home even among our differences and the third image that paul uses here is a temple construction He's talking about growing his people in quantity and quality. So Christ is the cornerstone, which is kind of the foundational stone. And then the foundation are the apostles and prophets. And then the Ephesian church and all the other people are being built on top of the cornerstone and the foundation. And all of these different people are all different kind of precious stones. We are all stones in God's temple. God is in through us is building a place for him to dwell and to, for him to show off his glory to the whole world. We are supposed to fit together and be one building. And so you, you remember when I was talking about the, Janelle and I were at the mosaic shop? What is, this is what it's like for God to build the church. This is what it's like for God to unify the church. God sits down at that mosaic shop and he looks at the table. And he sees all of these different containers of separate pieces. And God says, you know what? I want to make a beautiful piece of art. So he takes, you know, Hispanic Americans from one container and black Americans and white Americans from one container and puts them down on his piece of wood. And he takes um, insiders from one container and outsiders from another container and glues it down. And then he takes men from one container and women from another container and glues them down. And he takes, um, the, you know, on a college campus, he takes... The, the nerdy types like me and puts them down on a container I and mean, then takes the jocks and puts them down on a container All uh, right? he's taking all these different kinds of people and he's placing them down on his piece of wood and he's making a beautiful piece of art called the church this is what it is like for god to unite us he wants to make us into a beautiful piece of art and what we have to ask ourselves as christians as a christian community is are we making art or are we making more containers? Are we making art? Or are we making more containers? And oftentimes, we, we see that this upcoming generation, Gen Z, um, all studies are saying this is the most diverse generation. Um, there's all different kinds of diversity among Gen Z. And people look at the church, and Gen Z is looking to see if the church can account for, can make sense of, can... Um, help them navigate their world. And I think this is a beautiful opportunity for us to reach the next generation, that we can disciple them into what it looks like to be united among, amongst divisions. Because even though this next generation is one of the most diverse generations, I think like we're getting into one of the most polarizing eras uh, as a culture, where we're polarized and people don't know how to disagree with each other anymore. And if you disagree with me, you're oppressing me and I can't be around you because you are uh, disturbing my peace. And cancel culture and unfollowing. And I believe that the church has a unique opportunity to say, hey, the gospel unites us across deep differences. The gospel unites us uh, amid a culture that wants to totally tune people out who, with whom we disagree. The gospel brings new creation unity. And as we come to Jesus, Jesus calls us to repentance so that we can actually live into this unity. Because this unity takes hard work, doesn't it? It is hard work to live across differences. And as we grow as a community, we learn how to bear with one another in love and to maintain uh, the, the unity of the spirit. There are no second class citizens in Christ's kingdom. And we ought to display this to a world that wants to create different strata and different hierarchies among people. Christ's church is a church that is at peace with one another. And the message of peace that we proclaim, the message of peace with God, and the message of peace with each other, we proclaim this and display this through our unity. And so how, how can we practically do this? Um... I'm really challenged by this text because, if I'm honest, in so many different ways, I relate to people and treat them different ways based upon how similar they are to me or the stereotypes I have of who they might be or who they are in their head. And there's all different kind of ways that we can uh, hold people at arm's length who have placed their trust in Jesus. We have uh, different kind of ways of thinking about people based upon the way they dress, the ways they interact socially, whether they're introvert or extrovert, whether they're cool or not, uh, the color of their skin, maybe the neighborhood they live in, maybe their criminal record or a lack thereof, uh, maybe their personality type, all these different things cause me to try and measure people up and determine if this person is worthy of my attention, should I talk to them, are they going to be in the inside of my spiritual community? And this can happen on campus, even in all different kinds of ministries. We see that students can measure each other up and determine who is actually welcome in this group and who is going to kind of be on the fringes. Because we don't want to be uncomfortable by having to get outside of the cool thing that we're having by welcoming these other people in. And so when I treat these people differently or give them the cold shoulder, I'm communicating to them, kind of like uh, many people did back in the biblical days, that they need something more than Jesus to actually be a full citizen, a full member of the household, and a part of the temple construction. That they need Jesus plus fill in the blank. So often we're tempted to believe that you need Jesus plus a white-collar job. Jesus plus money. Jesus plus social status, Jesus plus coolness, Jesus plus an extroverted personality, Jesus plus a certain style, Jesus plus a certain ethnic identity, Jesus plus southern culture or southern dialect, or Jesus plus good manners, or whatever it might be, a certain type of, of manners. Whatever it might be, we are putting up walls that Jesus is working to break down. And when I do these things, I'm being shaped by present age divisions and not by new creation unity. And in the scriptures, when you really read the Bible, the Apostle Paul is doing this in every... I'm not, I'm not going I'm, I'm to make a statement like that. He's doing that in a lot of Bible books. Even the, the book of Romans. A golden thread throughout the whole uh, letter is that Paul is trying to get Jews and Gentiles to get along with each other. Have you, have you all noticed that? Like the, the, the thesis statement of the book, Romans 1, uh, 16 and 17, uh, that, that the gospel is the power of salvation to all who believe. The all is the emphasis there. And then that's why it says to the Jew first and then to the Greek. You know and, and, and if you read the Romans, even in chapter 3, that it, it, the gospel is for all people. He has justified all. Um, and that's why he refers to divisions and tension with vegetables and different holidays in romans chapter 14 the apostle paul is always dealing with these different divisions in the book of ephesians paul is dealing with this especially in the corinthians with meat sacrifice to idols paul is a multicultural pastor trying to get his people to get along and he's pulling his hair out as he's doing it all throughout the new testament because he realizes that the church has to be united around a common community even across differences And here's the thing, here's the beautiful good news, that Jesus by his spirit is doing this work. This is why in in Galatians and Colossians it says that there is neither Jew nor Greek, male nor female, uh, there's neither uh, 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 free nor bondservant, but we are all one in Christ Jesus. Because Jesus himself has accomplished this unity by his death and resurrection. And the power of his spirit is pushing us and urging us to embrace one another across differences by loving one another. And the thing is, we have to uh, beg Jesus to help us to do this hard work. Say, Jesus, please help me to die to myself like you died on the cross. And Jesus, please help me to live to uh, righteousness and moving towards others. Give me the life that you had when you raised from the dead. And so, y'all, like I said at the beginning, as we're united around a common community, God has opened the door, so make yourself at home. And we have to ask the question uh, year by year, month by month, as we're ministering, and I'm asking this question with RUF now. Are we a place where we open the door and invite people to Jesus and make people at home? One of the big things we're really wrestling with is athletes. We really want athletes in our group. And so, like, uh, Chris Reed, he's doing an amazing ministry with the athletes. And we're all like, okay, we have, like, the athlete Bible study. And then we have, like, everybody else. How can we get the athletes, like, mixed in? And how can we create this fellowship? One thing that we really want to see happen is Greek students join our group. We don't have any Greeks. And so just like, what about our group? It doesn't uh, attract Greeks. We're like, oh man, how can we reach out? Um, like, another vulnerability point is we really don't have a ton of international students. So I really want, like, Ethiopian and Eritrean students to, to hang out with us and want to be with us. And I'm like, guys, can I just buy a bunch of food for y'all and feed y'all and y'all just let me hang out with you? <laughs> and so I'm still trying to get them to, uh, you know, to pull the trigger on it. It might not happen this semester. Um, but I'm always texting them, like, they're like, what day do you want? I'm like, literally any day. <laughs> like, please, I just want to be in the mix. I took, I took Amharic, which is the official language of Ethiopia, um, my first, my second semester of being there. And so, y'all, it is hard work, but it's beautiful and it's worth it. And this is the, the, the work that God is calling us to in the gospel, to be united around a common community and to see all different types of peoples and backgrounds bow the knee to King Jesus. Amen. Well, let's pray. Jesus, thank you for being with us. Lord, in so many different ways, we're stumbling through and trying to figure out what it means to be um, a place that opens up the door and welcomes people and brings them a part of our home. Jesus, I pray that the church would be countercultural. And I pray that the church, like we've been talking about, would be a city set on a hill, a light to the world. That we would be an example a picture of what new creation unity looks like among an age that is filled with present age divisions. Lord, I pray that you would invite, that you would unite us across uh, man and woman, that you would unite us across different classes, you would unite us across different ethnic backgrounds, that we would see in churches all over this country and all throughout our presbytery, churches that reflect um, your beautiful desire to see a beautiful piece of mosaic art called the church. And so, Lord, I pray that you would strengthen us. Lord, I pray that you would uh, help us to work through our insecurities and our doubts or our fears. Lord, our leanings and our biases. Lord, I pray that you would help us to, um, to work through the ways that we don't want to be uncomfortable. That we want uh, church and we want Christianity to be a place where I can be around like-minded people. So, Lord, would you please challenge me? Would you please challenge us? And I pray that we would stand in awe of your beautiful work. In Christ's name, amen.